Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, Jordan, Chapter 10. For the next few days, Jordan was at Libby's house more than at his own. He smoothed over hard feelings with her brother and became a household fixture. Libby and Kurt filed the insurance claim, paid off the mortgage, and started repurchasing cattle for the small ranch. Janet was found a couple days later at a motel just outside San Antonio with a man. He turned out to be the so-called attorney who'd phoned and tried to get Libby and Kurt out of their home. She was arrested and charged with murder in the death of Violet's father. There were DNA evidence taken from the dead man's clothing in the model room. Motel room that was directly linked to Janet. It placed her at the motel the night Mr. Harding died. When she realized the trouble she was in, she tried to make a deal for a reduced sentence. She agreed to confess to the murder in return for a life sentence without a hope of patrol, parole, but she denied having a gas can. She swore that she never had plans to burn down Riddle Collins' house with his children in it. Nobody paid her much attention. She told so many lies. It was a different story for Julie Merrill. She continued to make trouble, not only for Callum Ballinger. She was determined that Jordan wasn't going to desert her for little Libby Collins. She had a plan. Two days before the hearing to decide the fate of the police officers who arrested her father Saturday, she put it into practice. She phoned Libby at work and apologized profusely for all the trouble she caused. I never meant to be such a pain in the neck, she assured Libby. I want to make it up to you. You get off on Saturdays, don't you? Suppose you come over here for lunch. To your house? Libby replied warmly. Yes, I'd have our cook make something special, she purred, and I can tell you my side of the story. Will you? Dubious. Lippy hesitated. Surely you aren't afraid of me, Julie John. I mean, what could I do to you, even if I had something terrible in mind? You don't need to feed me, Lippy replied cautiously. I don't hold grudges. You'll come then, Julie persisted. Today at one, will you? It was against her better judgment, but it was a bad idea to keep a feud going, especially now that Jordan seemed really interested in it. Okay, Lippy said fine. I'll be there at one. Thanks, Julie said. Oh, you don't know how much I appreciate it. Uh, I don't guess you'd like to bring your brother, too, she added suddenly. Libby frowned. Kurt's driving a cattle truck for Duke right up to San Antonio today. Well, then, another time, perhaps. I'll see you at one. Julie hung up with a bright and happy note in her voice. Libby frowned. Was she stupid to go to the woman's home? But why would Julie risk Carmen or now when the primary election's so close? It was the following Tuesday. She phoned Jordan. Guess what just happened? She asked. You realize how irresistible I am and you're rushing over here to seduce me, tease. She all down. So I turned down the covers on my bed. Stop that, she muttered. I'm serious. So my Jordan, she left. Julie just called to apologize. She invited me to lunch. Did she? Yeah. Are you going? I thought I might. She has it. Don't you think it's a good idea to mend fences? I mean, I don't know, Libby. You replied seriously. She's been erratic and out of control lately. I don't think it's a good idea. I'd rather you didn't. Are you afraid she might tell me something about you that I don't know? She turned suspicious. She said, no, it's not that. She wasn't happy when I broke off with her. I don't trust her. What can she do to me in broad daylight? She'll have to shoot me. Of course not. Tease come. Then stop worrying. She only wants to apologize. You be careful. He was right. And phone me when you get home, okay? Okay. How about a movie tonight? He had, there's a new mystery at the theater. You can even have popcorn. That sounds nice, she said, feeling warm and secure. I'll pick you up about six. 
I'll be ready. See you then. She hung up and pondered over his misgiving. Surely he was overreacting. He was probably afraid Julie might make up a convincing lie about how intimate they'd been. Or perhaps she might be telling the truth. She only knew that she had to find out why Julie wanted to see her in person. She was going. But something niggled at the back of her mind when she drove toward Julie's parental home on the Jacobs River. Julie might have wanted to invite Libby over to apologize, but why would she want Kurt to come, too? She didn't even know Kurt's. Libby's foot lifted off the accelerator. Her home was next door to Jordan's. Julie was furious that Jordan had broken off with her. The house was gone. Libby and Kurt would have to move away again, as they had before. Libby turned the truck around in the middle of the road and sped toward her house. She wished she had a cell phone. There was no way to call for help, but she was absolutely certain that what was about to happen, and she knew immediately that her stepmother hadn't been responsible for that gas can on the porch. The question was, who had Julie convinced to set the fire for? Or would she be crazy enough to try to do it herself? Libby sped faster down the road. If only there had been state police, a sheriff's deputy, a policeman watching. She was speeding. It was the only time in her life she'd ever wanted to be caught. Well, there was no flashing lights, no sirens. She was going to have to try and stop the perpetrator all by herself. She wasn't a big woman. She had no illusions about being able to tackle a grown man. She didn't even have a weapon. Wait! There was a tire tool in the boot. At least she could threaten with it to turn into the road that led to the house. There was no smoke visible anywhere and no sign of any traffic. For the first time, she realized that she could be caught chasing make-believe villains. Why would she think that Julie Merrill would try to burn her house down? Maybe the of the past week was making her hysterical. After all, she pulled up in front of the house and got out, grabbing the tire tool out of the back. It wouldn't hurt to look around now that she was here. She moved around the side of the house. Her heart beated wildly. Her palms were so sweaty that she had to get a better grip on the tire tool. She walked past the chimney to the corner, peered around. Her heart stopped. There was a man there, a young, a young dark man. He had a can of gasoline. He was muttering to himself as he slashed it on the back porch in the steps. Libby closed her eyes and prayed for strength. There was nobody to help her. She had to do this alone. She walked around the corner with the tire tool raised. That's enough, you varmint. You're trespassing on private property and you're going to jail. The police are right behind me. Startled the man dropped the gas can and started stared. Wild-eyed at Libby, since an adventure, she started to run toward him, yelling at the top of her lungs. To her amazement, he started running down a path behind the house, with Libby riding on his heels, still yelling. And something happened that was utterly in the realm of fantasy. She heard an engine behind her, an accomplice she wanted, almost panicking. Jordan Powell pulled up right beside her in his truck and threw open the passenger door. Get in, he called. She didn't need prompting. She jumped right in beside him, tired to and all, slamming the door. He was dousing the back porch with gas, she panted. Don't let her get away. I don't intend to. His face was grim as he stood there. Down, stood down on the accelerator and a truck shot forward on the pasture road which was no more than tra tracks through tall grass the attempted arsonist was tiring he was pretty thick in the middle and had short legs he was almost to a beat up old car sitting outside of the house near the barn when Jordan came alongside him on the driver's side hold it in the ruts he called to Libby just as she grabbed the wheel he threw open the door and leaped out on the on the startled breathless young man pinning him to the ground by the time Libby had the truck stopped, Jordan had the man by a shirt collar and was holding him there. Pick up the phone and call Haynes, he called to Libby. Her hands were shaking, but she managed to dial 911 and give the dispatcher an abbreviated account of what had just happened. She was told that they contacted a deputy who was barely a mile away and he was starting toward the Collins' place at the moment. 
Libby thanked her nicely and cut off the phone. Who put you up to this? Jordan demanded of the man. Tell me or so help me. I'll make sure you don't get out of prison until you're an old man. It was Miss Julie. The young man sobered. So, I never done anything like this in my life. My daddy works for her, and he took some things out of her house. She said she'd turn him over to the police if I didn't do this for her. She'd have turned him over anyway, you fool. Jordan said coldly. She was using you. Do you have any idea what the penalty is for arson? You were still so... I was scared, Mr. Powell. Jordan related. relented, but only a little. He looked up as the sound of a siren was heading coming... Was heard coming closer. Libby opened the door of the truck and got out just as the sheriff's guard came flying down the track and stopped just behind the truck. The deputy was Sammy Tibbs. They both knew him. He'd been in Libby's class in high school. What have you got, Jordan? Sammy asked. A would-be arsonist. Jordan, don't, he'll confess if you'll ask him. I caught him pouring gas on my back porch, and I chased him with my tire tool. I almost had him when Jordan came along, Libby said with a shotgun. Woo! So, I hope I don't ever run foul of you, he told her. That makes two of us, Jordan said with a gentle smile for her. I assume you'll be pressing charges, Sammy asked Libby as he handcuffed the young man who was still out of breath. Lay down, Grace. You can bet real money on it, Libby agreed. And you'll need to pick up Julie Merrill as well, because this man says she told him to do it. Sammy's hands froze on him. Julie Merrill, the state senator's daughter. That's exactly who I mean, Libby replied. She called and invited me over to lunch. Said she doesn't like me. I got suspicious. Came home and said, just the time to catch this weasel in the act. Is this true? The deputy asked the man. Mirandizing first, Jordan suggested, just so there won't be any loopholes. Good idea. Sammy agreed and read the suspect is right. Now tell him, Libby probed, glaring at the man who'd been within a hair burning her house down. The young man sighed as if the weight of the world was sitting on his horse. Miss Merrill had something on my daddy, who works for her. She said if I'd set a fire on Miss Collins' back step, she'd forget all about it. She just wanted to scare Miss Collins, is all. She did tell me to burn the whole place down. Arson is arson, Sammy replied. Don't touch anything, he told Libby. I'll send our investigator back out there and call the state fire marshal. Arson is hard to prove, but this one's going to be a walk in the park. Thanks, Sammy, Libby said again. What for? You caught him. Put the scared suspect in the back of his car. Sped off with a wave of his hand. That was too damn close, Jordan said, looking down at Libby with tormented eyes. I couldn't believe it when I saw you chasing him through the field with a tire iron. What if he'd been armed? He wasn't, she said. Besides, he ran the minute I chased him, just like a black snake. He pulled her into his arm and wrapped her up tight. There was a faint tremor in those strong arms. You brave idiot, he murmured in her neck. Thank God he didn't get the fire started first. I could see you running inside to grab all the sentimental items and save them. He'd have been burned alive. She grimaced because he was absolutely right. She'd have tried to save her mementos of her father and mother at any cost. Libby, I think we better get engaged, she said suddenly. She was hallucinating. She said so. Pulled back from her his eyes. You're not hallucinating. If Julie realizes how serious this is between us, she'll back off. She's going to be in jail shortly. She'll have to, she pointed out. They can afford bail until we're hearing. Even so, he replied, she'll be out for blood. But if she hears about the engagement, it might be enough to make her think twice. <laughs> I'm not afraid of her, she said, although she really was. Humor me, he coaxed, bending to kiss her gently. She smiled under the warm, comforting feel of his hard mouth. Well, he nibbled. Well, he nibbled her up and I'll get you a ring, he whispered. What sort? 
21. I like emeralds, she whispered, standing on tiptoe to coax his mouth down An emerald then. Nobody would know. He chuckled. I said, we might have to tell a few hundred people just to make it believable. We might actually have to get married. That's okay, isn't it? She blinked. Get married! <laughs> That's what the ring's for, Libby. He said against more advance notice. But you've always said you never wanted to get married. I always said there's the one woman a man can't walk away from. He added, he lifted his head, looked down at her, all the teasing gone. I can't walk away from you. The past few weeks have been pure hell. Her eyes widened, and I expected the light. He traced her eyebrows with his forefinger. I miss you. He was, it was like being cut apart. <laughs> you wanted Julie. She keeps going. I wanted you to think about what was happening. You've been sheltered your whole life. Duke Wright's wife was just like you. Then she married and had a child and got career-minded. The poor devil lives in hell because she didn't know what she wanted until it was too late. She searched his face crowd. You think I'd want a career? I don't know, Libby. He bit off. He looked in anguish. I'm an all-or-nothing kind of man. I can't just stick my toe in test water. I jump in head first. <laughs> he loved her. She was stunned. She couldn't believe she hadn't noticed. And all this time, Kurt had seen it long before this. He tried to tell her, but she hadn't believed that a man like Jordan could be serious about someone like her. Her lips fell apart with a husky sigh. She was on fire. She never dreamed that life could be so sweet. I don't want a career, she said slowly. What if you do someday, he persisted. She reached up and traced his firm, jutting chin with her fingertips. I'm 24 years old, Jordan, she said. But I don't know my own mind by now. I never will. He still, he still looked undecided. She put both hands flat on his shirt under it. She could feel the muted thunder of his heartbeat. Why don't we go to a movie, she asked. He seemed to relax. He said, we could grab a hamburger for lunch and talk about it, he prompted. Okay, then we'll, then we'll go by the sheriff's department and you can write out a statement, he added. She grimaced, I guess I'll have to, he nodded. So will I, he said. I wish I could see the look on Jolie's face when the deputy sheriff pulls up in her driveway. <laughs> I imagine she'll be surprised, Louie replied. Surprised was an understatement. Julie Merrill gaped at the young man in the deputy sheriff's uniform. You're joking, she said out. I I had nothing to do with an attempted arson. We have a man in custody who swear to it, he replied. You can come peacefully or you can go out the door in handcuffs. Yeah, it's still pleasant and respectful. Your choice, Miss Merrill. She let out a harsh breath. This is outrageous. What's going on out here? Her father, the state senator, came into the hall, weaving a little, and blinked when he saw the deputy. What's he doing here? He murmured. Your daughter is under arrest, senator. He was told as the deputy suddenly turned Julie around and cuffed her with professional dexterity for conspiracy to commit arson. Arson, Senator Blink. Julie! She sent a man to burn down the Collins' place, he was told. <laughs> we have two eyewitnesses as well. The senator gave to her. I told you to leave that woman alone, he said, shaking his finger at it. I told you. Jordan would get involved if you didn't. He cost me the election. Everybody around here will go to the polls Tuesday and vote for Calhoun Bounder. You've ruined me. Oh, no. Oh, no, sir. She hasn't. The deputy assured him with a grin. Your nephew, the mayor, did that by prosecuting two police officers who were just on the job. Smiling. You're going to see Monday night just how much hot water you've jumped into. That disciplinary hearing is going to be remembered for the next century in Jacobsville. Where are you taking my daughter? The senator snorted.
to jail, to be booked. You can call your attorney and arrange for a bail hearing whenever you like. The deputy added with a speaking glance at the older man's condition. If you're able, I'll call. I'll call my attorney. I'll call my own attorney, Julie said hotly. Then I'll sue you for false arrests. You're welcome to try, the deputy said. Come along, Miss Merrill. Daddy, do try to sober up, Julie said scathingly. What would be the point? The senator replied. Life was so good when I didn't know all about you, Julie. When I thought you were a sweet, kind, innocent woman, like your mother. He goes, she killed that girl. I did not think what you're saying, Julie yelled at him. Tears poured down. She, she died in my arms. Let's go, the deputy said, tugging Julie Merrill out the door. Closed it on the sobbing politician. Julie Merrill was lodged in the county jail until her bail hearing the following Monday morning. Meanwhile, Jordan and Libby had given their statements, and the would-be arsonist was singing like a canary bird. The disciplinary hearing for Chief Grier's two police officers was Monday night in the city council meeting. Didn't take long. Within 30 minutes, the council had finished its usual business. Grier's officers were cleared of any misconduct. And the surprise guest at the hearing had Jacobsville buzzing for weeks afterward. <laughs> End of chapter 10.